Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone, Poker and Politics here. Today I'm going to be reviewing a Dark Legacy, a film or documentary uh, that tries to make the case that uh, George H.W. Bush, Pappy Bush, was behind the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Now, uh, Bush killing Kennedy is a pretty standard conspiracy theory uh, in the community. The thing about the Kennedy assassination is, is that everyone has killed John F. Kennedy. You can't name a person in the 1960s with any clout who hasn't been implicated as being someone who either uh, wanted the shooting done or did the shooting themselves. It's just the nature of the Kennedy assassination. The conspiracy theories are so sprawling and widespread that uh, everyone eventually gets their turn uh, being accused of having uh, done the deed. You can easily find uh, arguments that the Federal Reserve killed Kennedy, Israel killed Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson killed Kennedy, Anti-Castro Cubans who were mad about the Bay of Pigs killed Kennedy. Castro killed Kennedy. I mean, everyone killed Kennedy. The, uh, the Onion had an article about Kennedy being shot uh, 150 times from 75 different positions in Delhi Plaza. And, I mean, it's that's the, that's the nature of the assassination conspiracy world, is that you can, you can claim pretty much... Any shot came from any position fired by any person. It's just madness. It's a never-ending uh, quagmire of theories and ideas and people coming up with new evidence and all kinds of stuff. But anyways, let's get down to the topic at hand. Dark Legacy. Now, the one thing I will definitely give Dark Legacy is that it paints the picture the way a prosecutor would try a case where they present you the evidence they want to present you that uh, helps their case and they avoid uh, 
all the evidence that would hurt their case. They don't bring up all of the really damning facts against Lee Harvey Oswald uh, in the uh, in the historical record when it comes to the assassination. Like the fact that the morning of the assassination, Oswald left his wedding ring in a cup at his house and uh, went out to work. Um, the fact that uh, he was seen walking into the Texas School Book Depository with a package that he uh, claimed was curtain rods. Now, uh, before the people who really know this stuff yell at me, I do know that there is a dispute of the way he carried that package into the building, and if he had carried the package under his arm where his palm was on one end and the top of it was in his armpit, that his arm was not long enough to put the gun in that bag and make it work. Yeah, I know that, but again, he walks into the building with a package. That's weird. A package is big enough probably to hold a rifle that was unassembled. Um, the sniper's nest. Now, uh, I'll break this down for the people who aren't psychos that, have, that know this stuff. The sniper's nest is the term used for the fact that there was this uh, giant uh, amount of cardboard boxes that had been set up around the window that Oswald fired from, such that if you had walked up to the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository, you would not have line of sight on a person uh, crouching in, down into that window, uh, shooting out that window with a gun. So the sniper's nest is basically just a bunch of cardboard boxes, because that's what the School Book Depository was. It was the building full of boxes with books in them. Um, a few of those boxes have Oswald's uh, fingerprints on them, so it was very obvious that he uh, manipulated and maneuvered those boxes to get them into position, as it were. Um, the... I mean, and, and then, of course, they found his gun in this place. They found the bullets, uh, treasure trove of evidence that was recovered from the Texas School Book Depository, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, they he'll ignore all that. Uh, he'll ignore the fact that Oswald left the School Book Depository after the assassination um, and then was apprehended at a theater a little while later after having uh, been involved in the shooting of a police officer, most likely. Anyways, uh, so all the evidence against Oswald is just completely uh, cut out and ignored in this uh, this documentary, because again they have an agenda and they're pushing it. And that agenda is that George W. George H. W. Bush killed uh, Kennedy, and that's what we're going with. Now, uh, one of the one of the things they do right at the start is they show you the Zapruder film and the headshot like a million times, and I hate watching the Zapruder film. I really do. It kind of, like, when when I was a gore-loving psycho teenager, ah, the president's head exploded, blah! But now, I mean, it's just kind of, uh, it's ugly. It's, it, to me, it's like, cheap. It's, like, tacky. It's like, oh, look, we're gonna figure out who killed the president. It's like, no, you're not. You're just showing me this guy's head exploding because you're a ghoul. This is how I feel about it. And the other thing about the Zapruder film is that when you are arguing for a gunshot that hit the president in the front of the head and blew out the back of his head, 
The Zapruder film is not doing you any favors at all. Yes, I know, back and to the left, I know all that, but you, oh boy, can you have arguments all day, every day about the nature of people's reactions to being shot and uh, the physics of how bodies move as a result of uh, being hit by a bullet. As a matter of fact, if you uh, go frame by frame in the Zapruder film, uh, frame 313 is when uh, the president suffers the fatal head wound where the cloud of blood erupts from his head. He incrementally inches forward for a few frames, and only after that incremental nudging forward uh, does the uh, famous uh, snap back of him uh, crashing backwards and then toppling over to his left occur. So, like, in the, in the split seconds after the fatal head wound is uh, suffered by the president, he actually creeps a little forward, and then, and then he goes backwards. So, I mean, and there's all kinds of arguments about, like, what caused that. Was it a neuromuscular spasm? He was wearing a back brace, and, like, his body could have reacted that way to the trauma. Um, the jet effect of all of this material ejecting out the right side of his head caused his head to tip leftward. I mean, there's, again, you can argue this until the cows come home. You can just absolutely draw, spin yourself in circles. It's a thing where you can't win the argument because everyone's going to have their view and they're not going to back down. But uh, suffice it to say that uh, back into the left is not your 100% uh, checkmate Oswald did it, acted alone idiot uh, power move that people think it is. And more importantly, when you... In a lot, when you see the cloud of blood, uh, it's all centered on the right side of his head, and the there's like two very obvious uh, streaks of uh, pink or red coming out of the of the president's head, and those streaks are in the front, and they are going forward, which is exactly what you would expect from a bullet that hit the president in the back of the head and was ejecting material out the uh, front forward out of his head. So, uh, and when that all ends and the, the, the split second we have of Kennedy toppling over, you see a massive defect in the right side of his head. You see the right side of his head is blown out. Uh, Abraham Zapruder himself, uh, before he even uh, got the film processed and was able to um, see it back, as it were, was interviewed um, in the was interviewed on on on, the, on film. Oh, geez, that was very well done. Professional podcaster, poker and politics. Um, but he was interviewed, and the interviewer was like, "What did you see?" And Zapruder immediately like grabbed the right side of his head, and then made the gesture like, "This is where his head exploded. Like this is what I saw." happened to him. This is the damage I saw him receive. So uh, Zapruder himself uh, saw a shot to that damaged the right side of the president's head, and that's what his film indicates. And um, almost all the photographic evidence in Daily Plaza uh, does not show damage to the back of the president's head. Um, there's the much more photo which is a pretty famous uh, photo, and it was allegedly taken like a split second after the fatal headshot was indicated. And it's a, a, a picture directly behind uh, Kennedy and his wife, and you can see her like leaning over, 
trying to like figure out what's happening to her husband because he had already been shot at that point. And you can see in that photo, you can't see any damage to him because you can't see the right side of his head. You just see the back of his head and you see the, the pillbox hat on, on Jackie's head and that's it. So, but yeah, all the Zapruder film really does is hurt their case. And then we go to Parkland and we get the same story because uh, the Parkland doctors, they've always talked about a, a wound in the back of the head. They've always said that. Uh, it's a huge quagmire, the nature of what those doctors saw versus what the autopsy did. And I'll get into that in a moment. But uh, that's the main basis for most conspiracy theorists' arguments is that the doctors at Parkland uh, gesture to the back of their heads when they talk about the wound. But the thing is, is again, a lot of them, it's the wound was just so big that it just covered this massive area uh, above and around the right ear that you could just kind of go anywhere of your head with your hand and you'd be indicating the nature of the wound. Um, but the, you use the Parkland doctors when you're trying to argue a conspiracy because they give you the, the, the back of the head was blown out argument. And again, fog of war, stuff was happening. It's a panic. Everyone's freaking out. And hey, I mean, if you, again, this is a thing where you can argue either side if you want to, and you will have evidence on your side and you can bring it to bear. But uh, on the Oswald Act, alone side, all the uh, x-rays and, and photographic evidence of the autopsy indicate their shot was to the right side of the head, and so on and so forth. So it's just a conflict. But so the dark, judgment, the dark legacy guy goes right to the uh, Parkland doctors, as any conspiracy theorist would, and comes up with his uh, wound to the back of the head, and so on. Now... Um, from there, we get to E. Howard Hunt, and he's a guy that's always been uh, accused of doing bad things, and he's been seen as a, a trigger man for the assassination. There were these three men who were documented being walked out of Daly Plaza by police right after the assassination, and they have been famously called the Three Tramps. And the identity of those men has never been determined. They've been accused of being everyone. E. Howard Hunt's been accused of being a tramp. Uh, Woody Harrelson's father has been accused of being a tramp. There's uh, plenty of possible tramps out there. But uh, anyhow, E. Howard Hunt uh, has always been accused of being an assassin of the president. And... One of these uh, publications that uh, accused him of being the assassin, he sued them, and he won the initial uh, libel lawsuit against them. But then, uh, on appeal, he lost. And the dark legacy narrator spins this as being, well, this jury totally thought he killed the president. And that's not true in the slightest. What is true is that the First Amendment is very powerful in America, and it's incredibly hard to win a libel lawsuit. You have to prove that the person making the claim is basically lying. You, you have to prove that they uh, 
know they're not telling the truth and they're doing it maliciously to hurt you and to damage your reputation as a person. So it's so hard to clear all those bars. Like if some lunatic was out there screaming that Barack Obama was born in Kenya, which we've no certain presidents who've done that, it would be really hard for Obama to win a libel lawsuit against them because if that person was able to present a bunch of evidence that was like, look, this says he's totally from Kenya, the jury would have to acknowledge that, like, well, this guy's making a case for what he believes in, and the First Amendment says he has a right to do that, so what are you going to do? You, you practically have to crawl inside the mind of the person to prove that what they're doing is deceitful and malicious. It's really difficult. So winning a libel lawsuit, uh, or I should say defending a libel lawsuit successfully against a person you accuse of having committed the Kennedy assassination is way, way different than uh, a person having been uh, tried and convicted by a jury of assassinating John F. Kennedy. So, yeah, that whole section of the video is just absolute nonsense. It's so patently ridiculous. Um, so, and then the video kind of goes away from all of that, and it gets into George Bush being part of the CIA, which I would not dispute in the slightest. He probably was CIA in the 1960s. The one thing that the video does do, which is really ridiculous, is uh, it gets into this whole thing where J. Edgar Hoover uh, was, like, some kind of, like, pro-Kennedy, uh, anti-CIA dude who, uh, basically made a memo that was like, hey, the CIA totally killed Kennedy. And if Hoover did anything like that, I mean, he would just it would just be a shot at the CIA. It would not be in any kind of defense of Kennedy. Hoover and the Kennedys hated each other. Uh, you can easily find plenty of conspiracy theories that Hoover was the guy who ordered Kennedy murdered. Um, on the day of the assassination, uh, Hoover called Bobby Kennedy and was just like, hey, your brother's been shot, click. And they, and then, like, a while later, called him back and like, hey, your brother's dead, click. So, I mean, Hoover and the Kennedys had no use for each other whatsoever. So the idea that uh, he had any desire to uh, see justice done on behalf of the Kennedy family is uh, absurd. Uh, and... Then also they bring up the whole thing where like Kennedy and the CIA were not really happy with each other after the Bay of Pigs, which is true, but really that was just an incident where uh, things went wrong. Kennedy had one vision, the CIA had another. The plan had been built up under Eisenhower and then kind of got dumped in Kennedy's lap, and uh, things went wrong, and that's basically how it all worked out. But the whole... Uh, quote of Kennedy where I'll smash the CIA to a thousand pieces and scatter it to the wind is uh, melodramatic. To say the very least, it's not really uh, that representative of his mindset of the organization and like what was going on. I mean, Kennedy butted ahead of everybody. That was just the nature of what was going on. He, he won the presidency and found himself in a shark tank. Uh, that's what happens when you're kind of an outsider and you come in and you uh, ruffle the system. And you don't replace it with a bunch of uh, sycophantic toadies like certain current presidents now. But um, anyhow, this whole idea that 
the CIA was just out to get this guy, and then Bush was dead set on taking care of it. And that Lee Harvey Oswald, the again, uh, the Oswald, the disappearing of the evidence against Oswald in this uh, documentary is epic, and also the fake idea that Oswald was some kind of hero is also really bizarre. Uh, because this uh, documentary paints Oswald as an FBI informant that was working against the CIA, and the CIA knew this, and that's why they framed up Oswald for killing Kennedy, because uh, they hated the FBI for uh, trying to rat them out and catch them for their plan of uh, murdering uh, John F. Kennedy. Again, Oswald was just pretty much a, a, a drifter and a dirtbag and just a guy and uh, if if that kind of skullduggery was in play in Dallas that day, I think the FBI would have been like, hey, Lee, watch your back, because uh, something might happen. Maybe don't go to work where you could be uh, framed for murdering the president. I mean, take Friday off, stay home with your family, have a lot of witnesses around you. I mean... Something like that. It just, it's really, really bizarre. But in general, the video does a lot of uh, cherry picking. Uh, one, of the, one of the big cherry picks they do is um, the shot from the grassy knoll. They talk about how um, there was a shot from the grassy knoll because a lot of people uh, ducked in that area because they thought that shot had come up from over their heads. Uh, people ran up the hill trying to find the assassins. And uh, this was like what happened in that zone. And it was a very representative uh, reaction of people during the assassination. And all of this is true. However, it's only true of the people that were near the grassy knoll. If you were near the Texas School Book Depository, you heard shots from the Texas School Book Depository. Um, one group of witnesses that uh, he, the, the, guy, the narrator completely leaves out is uh, there were three black men on the fifth floor of the Texas School Book Depository that were working there. And after the shooting, they were like frantically pointing at the window above them, like just trying to indicate that uh, the shots came from over our head from that window. Uh, and uh, they were later interviewed, and they, they said they could even hear the uh, bullets hitting the ground as the uh, assassin was working the bolt on the bolt-action rifle to drop the previous bent shell and load the next uh, round in the chamber. So, uh, and you're not going to hear that dark legacy, of course not. But uh, that's the, again, this is the cherry picks. And the other thing is really important is that almost no witnesses in Daly Plaza at the time of the assassination heard shots from different locations. Like, there's almost nobody that heard uh, a shot from the school book depository and a shot from the grassy knoll. Like, almost everyone, it's like 40% of the people there thought a shot, all the shots came from the school book depository, and then like 30% thought all the shots came from the grassy knoll. And then you get, like, this, the remaining 30% of the pie gets, like, sliced up into all these weird slices where, like, people thought shots came from other places. People thought shots came from multiple places. But, again, the multiple shot uh, hearing people is under 10%. It was, like, 8% or something like that of, of people who actually heard uh, shots being fired from more than one location during the assassination itself. So... 
like that's a problem with the conspiracy theory because you literally have to put all the bullets in one spot in order to make uh, the people that heard the grassy null shots uh, matter because they're not telling the conspiracy story, which is a triangulation crossfire and that multiple bullets from multiple directions hitting targets. Um, another thing that uh, he cherry picks very uh, well is the uh, wound to Kennedy's throat. And the doctors at Parkland Hospital uh, described the uh, wound to Kennedy's throat as a wound of entrance. It was a small wound, and this is, again, a very, very huge bone of contention for all sides in the conspiracy versus Oswald did it communities. The thing is, is that the, um, the wound that was inflicted on Kennedy in his throat was uh, small, and the doctors considered it an entrance wound, but the main reason why they did this is they did not know that Kennedy had a wound in his back. At no time did the doctor, doctors at Parkland Hospital find the uh, wound in his back that the Oswald acted alone folks would say, hit him in the back and then exited through his throat. And only at his autopsy in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, was the uh, wound in his back discovered. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And so when they talk about this entrance wound at the front, it's because they didn't have any other options. They thought that this bullet just hit Kennedy in the neck and didn't go anywhere. And uh, tragically... Uh, and very uh, annoyingly, the doctor that the doctors that saw this wound, one of them then uh, made an incision around the wound to put a tracheotomy tube in the president to help him breathe. Uh, there, I had a quick argument with some uh, guy on Twitter who was just like tracheotomy. He was dead when he got in the door. Everyone knew that, and. This is the thing, is that Kennedy arrived at Parkland Hospital with, like, minimal life signs. Like, anyone could have told you that when he arrived, he was effectively dead. That there was no hope that he could possibly uh, survive the wounds that had been inflicted upon him. His brain was obviously destroyed. But... When the President of the United States arrives in your hospital and you find a heartbeat, well, you got to give it the old college try. 
you don't just sit there and go, meh, he's done. Well, I'm going to go golfing, nurse. Cancel my 3 o'clock. That, that's not going to fly very well. You're going to probably get some negative press for that. So they're, everyone's doing everything they can to try to uh, resuscitate the president. So this tracheotomy does get performed on him, which uh, was really just kind of a terrible thing in hindsight because damaging that throat wound means we never kind of get to the truth of what that wound really looked like. And one of the other doctors uh, in the room said that the wound was like a perfectly circular like wound that you could have just put the trach tube straight through the wound itself, that you didn't need to augment the wound by doing any more cutting. So, I mean, it's just, just kind of sucks that this is what happened. But again, unbelievably high-pressure situation. Everyone in the world is freaking out. The president is laying dying on the table. You've got to try to save him. You do things. I understand it. And uh, the other thing that happens is like... Um, there is uh, a photo of the press secretary of the president saying that the president was killed and the doctors say it was a bullet to the brain. And he points to his right temple as if to indicate that that's where the bullet hit. And the thing is, is that, like, I think that's just kind of like where you gesture to indicate that someone got shot in the head. You just, like, tap your temple or you point at your forehead. I don't think that, like, it would have been really expected for him to like reach to the back of his head to make like an exploding motion out the right side of his head to be like here's exactly what happened to my former boss who is now dead i mean that'd be really kind of ghoulish and weird to be pantomiming the uh way the uh injury to the president's head was inflicted so i think that like they grossly overstate like what the temple point means and this leads us to the weakest dumbest and worst part of Dark Legacy, which is uh, what I call the David Lifton section of it. And if uh, maybe Groucho's Ghost, if he's listening to this, don't know how many other people would really be this deep into the weeds on this crap the way I am. But uh, David Lifton is a hacks hack. He is absolutely the worst. Uh, he peddles all kinds of nonsense. He is really fact-free. He's like the gateway pundit of uh, JFK assassination uh, researchers. And Lifton uh, came up with this pretty much like just cockamamie idea that the body of the president was uh, smuggled off of Air Force One and then mutilated by uh, people so that when it was brought to being autopsied, in um, D.C. at Bethesda Naval Hospital. The wounds were not uh, what they were previously in Dallas. Now, uh, this goes through a series of events. So the first thing that happens is the president's declared dead. The Secret Service are completely out of their minds. They're freaking out because this could be a Soviet attack. This could be a coup to uh, begin a takeover of America. For all they know, Berlin is being invaded as we speak. This could be World War III. Uh, assassins could be heading into Parkland Hospital to kill Lyndon Johnson. The Secret Service is out of their minds. And the Secret Service knows that the safest place they can get to is the White House, where they can lock that place down and protect Johnson from any further assassins coming to get him. And they want to get out of... Uh, Dallas as quickly as humanly possible. Now, the problem is that 
uh, Kennedy needs to have an autopsy performed on him. And Texas state law dictates that uh, if someone dies in Texas, they have to have an autopsy in Texas. And Jackie Kennedy is not going to leave without the body of her husband. And Lyndon Johnson is not about to abandon Jackie Kennedy in Dallas because that would look ghoulish and also he feels terrible for her. So you have this cascading chain of events where uh, the Secret Service have this national security concern where they've got to get Johnson out of Dallas because it's unbelievably unsafe. They literally just had the president get killed like an hour or so previous. And so they got to get him out of there. He won't leave unless he can take Jackie with him because, again, he doesn't want to look like a monster who just had uh, the previous president murdered and he's leaving her, the grieving widow alone at pretty much the scene of the crime to wait for her uh, husband's body to be examined by doctors before uh, she's allowed to leave. So uh, so she won't leave, so Johnson won't leave. So Johnson's like, well, let's get this body, get it on the plane, get Jackie here with me, and uh, this will um, this is how we'll get back to D.C. and get, uh, get me back in the White House and lock down and protect this. Now, you can absolutely totally spin this the other way, where it's this massive conspiracy and they all know this and they got to steal the body to get away with their crime, but... I'm telling you what the uh, like normal, non-dark, non-hideously evil uh, explanation for why what happened happened was initiated, why this was the thing that was resulted from uh, what was basically a fight over the body because the Secret Service was like, okay, we're taking the body, we're putting it on Air Force One, we're getting out of here. And then that, and like this was an actual argument. There was an actual argument over the body between um, Dallas police and, uh, and the Secret Service. And it was this real heated moment where it was possible that like people could draw guns over the president's body and have like a real fight over it. But in the end, the uh, Dallas police backed down and the Secret Service got the body and they take it to Air Force One. And um, the body, the casket is then placed in the back of the plane. They take out a bunch of seats. They destroy a divider. They get the body. They get the casket down. And Lifton in his book creates this 12-minute window where the, where the casket was left unattended. But he has really, really poor evidence to support any of this because the, the plane was crawling with people. It had Secret Service were everywhere. Uh, Kennedy's staff were everywhere. Johnson's staff were everywhere. There's just this like mess of people. And on top of all that, again, you have the Secret Service who are totally freaking out at this point. So the idea that uh, any group of people could have snuck onto Air Force One uh, and then absconded with the body in 12 minutes or less. And in, in Dark Legacy, he narrows the time frame down to five minutes, which is ridiculous to think that you could uh, get to the casket unnoticed, uh, pry it loose, uh, grab the body and then smuggle the body off the plane in five minutes with no one catching you. And again, outside the um, 
I'm sure there was plenty of press and security outside the plane as well as on the plane. So the whole idea that the body got stolen uh, while it was on Air Force One is, is madness. Now, Kennedy gets a terrible autopsy, just absolutely the worst autopsy imaginable. And this leads to all kinds of problems. Uh, again, the conspiracy theorists get to have all kinds of stuff to talk about because the autopsy Kennedy had performed on him was bad, it was a really uh, suboptimal botched autopsy. And the main reason for that was that the autopsy was done kind of spur of the moment. It was kind of a uh, last second kind of thing. The they're, they're flying back to D.C., and I don't exactly remember who, but somebody approaches Jackie Kennedy, and it's just like, Jackie, we're going to have to do an autopsy on your husband. And she's just like, why? I don't want that done. Like, whatever, he's dead. Just, just let it be. And they're like, no, he was murdered. Uh, it's part of the investigation into who killed him. we got to do this. We, we have to take his body somewhere to have an autopsy performed on it. And Jackie Kennedy herself uh, suggested Bethesda because uh, Jack had been in the Navy. So she was like, well, take him to Bethesda. That's the Naval Hospital. Have the autopsy done there. So if you believe uh, in the, this conspiracy theory and that like Bethesda was just crawling with like CIA goons waiting to mutilate and desecrate the body of the president and watch the autopsy, you have to believe that Jackie Kennedy was in on it because she's the one who suggested Bethesda. And so uh, Kennedy's body goes to Bethesda and uh, doctors who suck at doing autopsies and done uh, actual forensic uh, autopsies before where people were, they hadn't done autopsies that involved gunshot wounds before. So basically they have a bunch of underqualified uh, schmucks do a terrible autopsy. And on top of that, the Kennedy family really didn't want an invasive autopsy because they wanted to do an open casket funeral because they're Catholics. And it was only after the autopsy was completed and then the mortician got in there and did their magic that uh, Jackie and Bobby were just sort of like, mm, no, we're, we're, we're going to go with closed casket here. As much as, as much as we really wanted to do open casket, no, this is a bad luck. We're close it, close it down. And uh, we'll handle it that way. So the autopsy is totally botched. The conspiracy theorists have that in their back pocket for all of time itself. Oh, and uh, another thing that he repeatedly says in Dark Legacy is the autopsy doctor burned his notes. And that's really ominous and really scary and really terrible sounding. Uh, and it's bad. Again, it's bad. And there's really no justifying that he burned his notes and re rewrote his notes. Uh, but he had an explanation for why he did what he did. Uh, the first reason was is that his notes were uh, stained by the blood of the president. Uh, he had left his notes on the autopsy table and they had gotten blood on them. And he didn't want the notes to become some kind of uh, ghoulish piece of memorabilia from the assassination in that they had the blood of John F. Kennedy on them. And then on top of that, uh, he burned them because 
he had heard that Oswald had been shot. And once that happened, he was like, oh, Oswald's dead? Well, then there's not going to be a trial. They're not going to need my original notes of the trial. My original notes have Kennedy's blood on them. That looks really bad. I'm going to burn those notes and just rewrite them and retranscribe them. And the historical record will be the same. It just won't be a historical record with uh, blood all over my uh, notes. So again, you can you can totally think that guy's a CIA uh, operative or was influenced by uh, evil forces to do the things that he did, or you can buy the explanation of why he did what he did. There's two sides to that coin. But that's the nature of these kinds of uh, political hit pieces, as it were. You have an agenda, and you push that agenda by cherry-picking the information as best as you possibly can. So uh, that is, in a nutshell, uh, Dark Legacy and what it was all about. Uh, so now we will go to everyone's favorite section of these uh, podcasts, which is the question section. And uh, Chris Stein, the guitarist from the band Blondie, who I cannot believe follows me, and if he's listening to this, it blows my mind that you're doing that as well. But uh, Chris asks um, about... Lee Harvey Oswald's call to Raleigh, which I had completely forgotten about. And this is one of those uh, weird things, because Oswald never got a lawyer in his two days in custody before he was killed. And apparently he called someone in Raleigh named John Hurt. And so what was the meaning of that? What was the importance of it? How did these two guys were related? The, apparently the call never got completed. It's one of those weird, uh, just loose threads of the Kennedy assassination that I don't know that we're ever going to be able to find a resolution to. It's uh, very strange. Um, you have... I mean, all kinds of stuff like that exists. Umbrella Man is a thing where, like, that guy ended up going before the war, the uh, half like committee on assassinations, and he was totally like, "I was the Umbrella Man in the Kennedy assassination." Uh, as a Cruder film video, if you don't know who Umbrella Man is, which you probably don't because you don't have a mental illness the way I do, uh, Umbrella Man can be seen uh, again the on the day of the assassination. It is a beautiful, sunny, perfect day out. And yet there's this dude, while the bullets are flying, holding an umbrella and waving it around. And after the assassination is over, like, he sits down on the curb. And, like, another guy walks over to him and they sit down and they just hang out. And so the conspiracy theorists have believed that uh, the umbrella guy was, like, holding the umbrella as a sign to, like, pour more bullets down on the president to kill him. And that only when the umbrella came down was the assassination completed and they could stop shooting. And uh, other conspiracy theorists went so far as to indicate that the umbrella itself had a uh, paralyzing dart that had been fired into the president, and that's what caused the uh, wound to Kennedy's neck, was that he'd been struck by that dart. Uh, at the House Select Committee on Assassinations, there's uh, even like a uh, event where the guy brought what he claimed to be the umbrella that he carried on the day of the assassination, and they... Uh, they talked to him about the potential of it uh, shooting a dart when it's opened, and then they open the umbrella and everyone laughs because a, a dart, does, in fact, does not come flying out and hit a member of Congress in the throat with a paralyzing agent. 
But uh, again, a lot of conspiracy theorists are like, the, the guy who claimed to be Umbrella Man was not Umbrella Man. Go to hell, you lying dude. Uh, there's a woman named Babushka Lady in the Zapruder film. She's wearing a babushka. She seems to be recording the assassination from the other side of the car, opposite of Abraham Zapruder. Uh, her film has never been found. She's never been uh, found. No one knows who she was. Um, I mean, it's just that kind of thing. There's just so many loose threads. Uh, this call to Raleigh is one of them. It's very strange. Uh, I mean, who knows what Oswald, who Oswald was trying to get a hold of and try to figure out what he was going to do for his defense, as it were. Um... The rest of my questions were kind of uh, less serious. Someone asked me if I was the third man on the Grassy Knoll. Uh, the, the Grassy Knoll is the second gunman, anyways. The uh, third, uh, well, now we're getting into a lot of different spots. Uh, someone yelled at me in, when I originally challenged QAnon supporters to try to argue conspiracy against me. Uh, some guy was just like, bargle, bargle, and I was like, can you name... Uh, I think I said, like, six different locations that people have claimed a gunshot was fired that was not the grassy knoll or the sniper's nest window in the Texas School Book Depository. And he was just like, blurgle, blurgle. And I'm like, I can do that. So I'm going to try to do it right now off the top of my head. The opposite window, um, the window that was closer to the motorcade than the, than the one that Oswald was in. So, like, basically near window of the Texas School Book Depository. The overpass, uh, basically, the car, the, the last thing you see in the Zapruder film is the uh, car goes under a, uh, an overpass. So people have said there was an assassin up on the overpass that fired down into the motorcade. The uh, court building uh, across the street from the school book depository opposite, opposite side of the road, that someone, uh, someone found a bullet on the roof of the, uh, the courthouse like decades later which was allegedly used in the assassination. Uh, the Dal Tech building, which is uh, behind the uh, motorcade, that was uh, a possible shot of, of the magic bullet location, the bullets that came from the rear. Usually people put the, the shooter in the Dal Tech building in the second floor. Uh, the storm drain, which is like my favorite conspiracy theory. There's an actual storm drain uh, reservoir um, on the street uh, in front of the grassy knoll. And uh, some people believe that a guy like uh, was hiding in the storm drain with a rifle and shot the president and killed him. And if you think about like what an unbelievable hiding spot that would be, you could just poke the gun out, fire the shot, pull the gun back down, and no one would see you. You'd be completely concealed. No one would have any idea that's where the gunshot came from. And then finally, uh, we will go with the car behind President Kennedy because a Secret Service agent accidentally misfired and shot him in the head. Uh, the book Mortal Error uh, posits this theory that a Secret Service agent accidentally killed Kennedy by trying to return fire against his assassins and uh, was the one that actually uh, hit him in the head and killed him. So, uh, yeah. So basically, um, everywhere. Everywhere in Neely Plaza is a possible place for a gunshot to have been fired. Um, <sighs> someone asks me, is it true that Oswald was visited by the ghosts of Boots, Chagolitz, uh, Gutierrez, Zengara, Sweeky Fromm, and John Hinckley? 
That is the plot of the musical Assassins, which uh, made me laugh very much when I saw that question. So, um, yeah, that's the Q&A section. Uh, a guy called Elbows Only, who seems very interested in this, uh, wants to be a guest on the podcast, but I don't know that I have the technical wherewithal and skill to do such a thing. Uh, in the future, I'd love for Elbows Only to ask me a ton of questions, because, I, again, I am here to have a conversation about this kind of thing. I, I live for it. So, anyhow, that is my review of... Uh, Dark Legacy, um, a slick little piece of propaganda, as it were, on a scale of 1 to 10, where uh, 1 is uh, praying medics, fumbling, uh, listless, totally charismatic, free, uh, QAnon for Beginners series, and a 10 being Joe M's QAnon, The Plan to Save the World. I'd rate it a 7. It's really slick. It's pretty smart. It sets the table and if you didn't know this stuff i mean god if you didn't know this stuff i think it would, it would definitely red pill you i think i've undersold it it's probably about an eight yeah so uh it's a very very good video for pushing its agenda however for the honesty factor it's probably around like a two or a three because the only really honest thing in the story is uh bush was probably cia and the parkland doctors absolutely did uh say that the back of the head was blown out so those are those are the actual points of real evidence that he had on his side. The rest of it is just uh, cherry picking and deception. So that is uh, probably JFK assassination podcast number one of what could be I don't know three hundred. I love this stuff. I mean uh, QAnon. That's a, that's that's my hobby. <laughs> my life's passion is uh, just being an idiot about the Kennedy assassination. So uh, if you actually read, listened all the way through this, uh, thank you for indulging me. And I hope to talk to you again in a little while. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 